Welcome to another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. It's been a while since we podcasted. We're coming off of the 2021 NFL Draft Weekend. The Eagles selected a number of players, and I'll be going over those picks tonight and just some initial thoughts. Hopefully in about a week or so, we can gather the rest of the Eagles Water Cooler guys, Andrew, Matt, and Mike, together and get their points of view on the draft and uh, on these prospects. Draft time is often a frustrating time for us as Eagles fans, and it had its share of that this year, but maybe a little less so than in previous years. They had a lot of needs going into the draft, and they did address some of those needs, but not all of them, and uh, certainly not in the way that we expected. So I'll get to talking about each individual prospect, but overall, I would say that the Eagles draft left me feeling satisfied maybe like a B, something in that range for a grade, but not thrilled. The first round pick of Devontae Smith, I was definitely thrilled with, but in the rest of the draft, I have to say, just satisfied. It's also important to note that the Eagles are in the process of rebuilding. They traded away their franchise quarterback. They have a new coaching staff under Nick Sirianni. So maybe this draft is reflective of that. Let's begin talking about the Eagles draftees with Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama, who they selected trading up to number 10 with the Dallas Cowboys. Devontae Smith is the Heisman Trophy winner for 2020, the first to win the Heisman as a wide receiver since Desmond Howard in 1991. Over the course of his prolific career at Alabama, Smith recorded 223 receptions for 3,750 yards and 43 touchdowns. He is exciting to watch, he's smooth, he's dynamic, and he's clearly a player that is able to create separation, which is a a key issue for the Eagles receiving core going back uh, many years now. And he is a true number one, which is a, a role that the Eagles have sorely lacked in the wide receiving room. So the hope is his skill set, obviously his, uh, his prolific numbers, we hope that they continue as he becomes an Eagle, and also his familiarity with Jalen Hurts. We hope that that's an advantage uh, coming into this situation in Philadelphia. But Devontae Smith is no doubt the most exciting Eagles draft E at the wide receiver position in my lifetime. In the second round at number 37 overall, the Eagles selected Alabama offensive lineman Landon Dickerson. He has experience playing every position along the offensive line, which is saying something, especially for a guy who played at Alabama under Nick Saban and against SEC defenses. He is slated supposedly to be a center for the Eagles, probably the long-term replacement for Jason Kelsey, who it seems every year is either injured and considering retirement or uh, at least in question somehow. But obviously continues to be that stalwart and will forever be a Philadelphia hero. And I'm glad he's here so that Landon Dickerson can learn under him. But as far as Dickerson is a player, his style is a mean, uh, typical offensive lineman, pancaking type. Um, He 
really seems to have that that personality of a typical offensive lineman. There was a clip that was shown when he received the call that the Eagles were drafting him. And when he got on with Nick Sirianni, he said, hey, coach, I guess you're still pretty upset that I beat you in rock, paper, scissors. So I, I like that sense of humor. I like that he has all this experience. I like that he played at a, a program with a high pedigree like Alabama and that there's probably familiarity with him because Jeff Stoutland, the Eagles offensive line coach, has experiences and, and connections at Alabama. But there are concerns about Dickerson, and especially taking him at this high of a draft pick. Uh, he's had multiple injuries over the course of his college career, including two ACLs. And he was asked about this by Philadelphia reporters. Uh, I believe it was Les Bowen who asked him about his durability and what his answer is to those who doubt his durability. And Dickerson responded, I'm going to give everything I've got to the city of Philly and my team and work every day. That's my goal. I think as long as he's healthy, this is a good pick. But the draft may hinge on this pick. If for whatever reason, Landon Dickerson cannot shake the injury bug and continues to be an injured player, the Eagles have used very high draft capital to draft a player who has a ton of talent and potential, but is injured. And with the recency bias of Sidney Jones, that's a hard thing to accept as an Eagles fan. So the hope is that Landon Dickerson can spend this year getting healthy, learning under the tutelage of Jason Kelsey, and that in time he'll be the future center. And if nothing else, if he is to be healthy this year, can add to the O-line depth that's been tested over the last few years for the Eagles. In the third round of the draft, the Eagles selected defensive tackle Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech. This pick was surrounded by controversy because in a uh, war room video that was shown during the draft broadcast, Howie Roseman following the Milton Williams pick was seen going around the room, giving fist bumps to everyone. And one staffer, Tom Donahoe, who has been an advisor for the Eagles for some time now, looked a little disgruntled and sort of gave Howie a half-hearted fist bump back. And so this sparked some controversy about the pick and the value. So I'm not going to focus on any of that. I'm just going to focus on Milton Williams, the player, uh, because I think in any draft room at any time, there are unhappy members of the staff, folks who, who think that the team should go one way when they go another way. So we can certainly talk about that when we get everybody together. But for the time being, we'll focus on Milton Williams, who's a great player in his own right. As I said, went to Louisiana Tech. This guy tosses people. Um, the Eagles are in a situation where they have some defensive tackle depth. So I was surprised to see them choose a defensive tackle as the first defensive position taken. But at the same time, Milton Williams looks like a violent, passionate player. He's aggressive. He's got that mad dog sort of style, extremely disruptive. He's often seen chirping after plays in some of the clips that I watched. He's an excellent run defender. And not unlike Landon Dickerson, he's in a position where he can learn under someone like Fletcher Cox, who's still here and can offer that experience and play alongside him. And hopefully, as time goes on, uh, there can be sort of a passing of the torch as Fletcher Cox is as an aging player. But uh, the Eagles have made a point to emphasize the importance of pressure up the middle and that when some of the best quarterbacks have been asked what pressure is the most disruptive, they consistently say it's pressure up the middle. So it makes sense that they took a defensive tackle. And I think Milton Williams has a lot of promise, although I do wonder about his play this year as part of a rotation with Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Hassan Ridgeway. 
and Marlon Tui Pulotu, who's the other defensive tackle the Eagles selected in this draft, who I'll get to a little bit later. But in his own right, well, Milton Williams is an exciting player. While at Louisiana Tech, Milton Williams recorded 108 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, one pass defended, and three fumbles recovered. So this is a guy who has put up numbers. Louisiana Tech, not necessarily the biggest program, but this guy stands out on tape. He is absolutely disruptive, and I think he'll add to the mix of defensive tackles that the Eagles already have and really strengthen uh, what is now a position with a lot of depth. In the fourth round, the Eagles selected cornerback Zach McPherson. I do a lot of draft research. I enjoy the draft a whole lot. I knew going into this draft that the Eagles would be in the market for a cornerback. Personally, I thought they would spend a much higher draft pick on a cornerback given some of the corners who were available in this draft. All that aside, I will say I never heard Zach McPherson's name until the day the Eagles drafted him this past Saturday. Zach McPherson started out his college career at Penn State and then transferred to Texas Tech. He's 5'11", 195. When I pulled up his highlight reel, his uh, YouTube video, the first clip was of a special teams play where he returned a, I believe it was a blocked field goal for a touchdown. And that didn't inspire a lot of confidence just because the Eagles are in a position where they had a glaring need at cornerback that they waited till the fourth round to address. And when I pull up this video, the first thing I see is this player who's supposed to be an outside corner making a special teams play, albeit a good special teams play. But still, what I wanted to see was a pass breakup or uh, a you know corner blitz, anything. Anything really would have scratched that itch a little bit more. But unfortunately, that was the first impression I had. Luckily for me, I kept watching because it would seem to me that McPherson is a developmental cornerback, but that he has some potential. This is a situation where the Eagles have Darius Slay at the opposite outside corner position, and they could have added somebody in an earlier round that they could plug and play, but they chose to go with someone like McPherson, who supposedly the team was willing to even trade up for uh, if they needed to. So over the course of his career, both at Penn State and at Texas Tech, McPherson recorded 121 tackles, 14 PBUs, pass breakups, and four interceptions. All four of those interceptions came in 2020, which is, I'm sure, something that got the Eagles' attention. I'm hopeful about McPherson's uh, potential as, as an outside cornerback. I like his mentality. He seems to play really tough, uh, and he seems to always be in the way of the receiver and, and causing the receiver headaches. Uh, I like his his presence on the field i think his player persona will match what the eagles are looking for uh but i think being a developmental player i'm not sure about his ability to step in and play right away at a position where the eagles need a player who can step in and play right away all that having been said i think zach mcpherson does have some skills and i'm excited to see what he can do because chances are he'll get playing time this year for the eagles in the fifth round, the Eagles selected running back, wide receiver, do-it-all offensive weapon, Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis. There was a lot of hype about this guy for his running and receiving abilities from a variety of draft outlets, podcasts, and other resources that I was 
tuning into as the draft approached and uh, lots of good things I could hear about this player who I think Gainwell, it's the perfect last name for uh, a guy who's a running back, but it would seem to me Memphis just keeps churning out running backs. Now we have Kenneth Gainwell with the Eagles, Antonio Gibson with the Washington football team, Tony Pollard with the Dallas Cowboys. So a lot of these Memphis running backs making their way into the league and a lot of them play in the NFC East. But we all knew as Eagles fans that Nick Sirianni used Naeem Hines a great deal when he was in Indianapolis and would probably be looking for a player who had a similar skill set. And I think that player is Kenneth Gainwell. And I think this is a player that we're going to see Sirianni, who prides himself on his ability to create mismatches, use uh, to create mismatches, mismatches excuse me, against opposing defenses. So just a little bit about Kenneth Gainwell. He is from Yazoo City, Mississippi, which is also the hometown of Fletcher Cox. He, he was an Eagles fan growing up. And he's 5'11", 200 pounds. He's extremely dynamic when he's running the ball, but what really stands out is his receiving ability uh, and his route diversity. He seemed to run a diversity of routes and line up in a, in a diversity of spots uh, as a receiver. As a receiver, he had, over the course of his career at Memphis, 57 receptions for 662 yards and three touchdowns. As a running back, he had 235 carries for 1,550 yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. In addition, Gainwell is a high school quarterback. Uh, he definitely approaches the game as a weapon, an offensive weapon. And I think that that's how Sirianni will, will use him. And I think his background as a quarterback probably complements that also. When asked about his best experience in college, Gainwell responded saying it was when Memphis played Temple in 2019, where Gainwell had 100 rushing yards, ran for a touchdown, and caught 98 receiving I'm sorry, caught a bunch of passes for a total of 98 receiving yards. I think overall, I, I like this pick. I think Gainwell will complement Miles Sanders. He provides a running threat, a passing threat. Uh, he, he provides some depth for the running back position. He's got tons of production at the college level, uh, at a college in, in Memphis that just seems to be churning out NFL running back. So I'm excited to see what Kenneth Gainwell can do as a Philadelphia Eagle. Next up, the Eagles drafted defensive tackle Marlon Tui Pulotu, which took me a couple times to practice saying, uh, or hopefully pronouncing right, who knows. But he is at a USC, another defensive tackle. So the Eagles really shoring up that position. Uh, Tui Pelotu looks to be a really great run-stuffing uh, defender who plays with sort of a furious attitude. Uh, moves pretty well, actually, once he gets going. More than once, I saw him sort of pick up speed uh, as he approached the quarterback, and the quarterback just sort of buckle and take the sack. He seems to read uh, quarterback draws and uh, quarterback keepers pretty well, has a good sense of uh, what what the offense is doing. It would seem to me that a lot of Samoan and Tongan uh, players make their way into the league, and they always play with uh, an edge and with a fury. And I have to think that that comes from those cultures uh, really being taken so so much pride in their uh, their warriors and uh, their war dances and all that kind of stuff. So Tuipolo to is 6'3", 305. Over the course of his career at USC, he recorded 104 total tackles, three passes defended, two forced fumbles. He's just extremely active as a defender. Uh, and not unlike the other defensive tackle the Eagles took, Milton Williams, I think will just be a constant disruptor in the beginning. Hopefully both run stuffing and getting after the quarterback. But as far as being a run defender, he's he's already 
uh, shown to be very effective. They're going to have that depth that I mentioned, and it seems in this draft they wanted to shore up the defensive tackle spot uh, for now and for the future, and I think Tui Pelotu will help to add to that rotation. The Eagles then selected edge defender Teron Jackson from the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. This guy was very fun to watch, an aggressive edge rusher at 6'2", 254. This guy had really impressive lateral quickness. couple plays I watched where quarterbacks would try to scramble laterally and he would just chase them down, and, and the quarterbacks, probably thinking he wouldn't be able to catch up, uh, would find themselves on the ground. So over the course of his career at Coastal Carolina, Teron Jackson recorded 185 tackles, three passes defended, 25 sacks over his career, which is just really impressive. If you watch this guy, though, as much as it's an overused term, his motor just doesn't seem to stop. He just seems to, to continue to seek production, goes into the backfield, looking to make plays on the ball, looking to uh, take the ball away if he can. Um, I'm really excited about this player. Um, in addition, six force fumbles uh, as another stat. So I'm excited about this player. I think when it comes to defensive line, Obviously, the Eagles have a ton of depth now at defensive tackle. As far as edge players, we've got Brandon Graham. We've got Derek Barnett. We've got Josh Sweat. And there's some promise there. Obviously, Brandon Graham is a legend. Josh Sweat, we've really seen uh, a lot from for being, I think, a fourth-round pick. He's he's definitely impressed me as a fan. Derek Barnett, I think the jury's still out. So I appreciate that they bring in a player like Teron Jackson who has that production and is just such an exciting player to watch, really stands out on film. Hopefully he'll be a complement to that rotation of weapons the Eagles have at the edge position. And some of the injuries they've had there, both with Josh Sweat and with Derek Barnett, have really limited them. And let's hope that Teron Jackson adds to that arsenal and adds some pass rush threat to the Eagles' defense. The Eagles then selected safety, who the Eagles will turn into a linebacker, Jacoby Stevens out of LSU. Stevens is 6'2", 230 pounds. He started at LSU as a wide receiver and then converted to a defensive player. He recorded over the course of his career as a safety, 199 total tackles, 15 passes defended, four interceptions, one forced fumble, and nine and a half sacks. This guy, in watching his tape, and it is a highlight reel, that's what I'm able to dig up usually on YouTube when I'm not as familiar with a player. This guy has a knack for making plays on the ball and a nose for the football. He did it against SEC offenses, and he's an exciting player to watch. Concerns that I have and and maybe reasons uh, he lasted as long as he did in this draft is that he seems to hit the gas really hard and and not necessarily be able to uh, to hold back or hit the brakes and, and maybe a guy who who bites hard on a fake or something like that and has to develop in that way might have that tendency to overcommit. But he's physical. He's aggressive. He's got stats really all over the sheet as I'll just go through them again. 199 total tackles, 15 passes defended, four interceptions, one forced fumble, nine and a half sacks. So the LSU defense, which obviously this past year wasn't anything special, but in years past has been really prolific. This guy's been putting up numbers, and I have to figure that the Eagles probably could have used him as a safety. Maybe they see him as that sort of tweener build between a safety and a linebacker, um, 
in the mold of maybe a Malcolm Jenkins or, or someone like that, who's really left a hole since he's left the Eagles, maybe Stevens can step in and be that player. Definitely seems to hit hard uh, and seems like a savvy player who's able to make plays all over the field and use his skill set in a number of different ways for a defense. I'm curious, though, about the Eagles converting into linebacker. And linebacker is going to be a, a curious position moving forward here as the Eagles it seems are converting a number of players to different positions. And we'll talk about the next player coming up here. Who's an edge defender, Patrick Johnson, who they're also talking about transitioning to linebacker. I'm not so sure about these transitions uh, for a player who's a later round pick or an earlier round pick. I think it's hard to change positions and especially to change defensive schemes, but sticking with Jacoby Stevens, he was an excellent safety at LSU. He has his limitations. And one of those being that he tends to overcommit. Uh, and probably has a uh, a tendency to to commit penalties, but the hope is that the Eagles can rein that in a little bit and really use that dynamic energy and his ability to put up numbers all over the field in a number of different ways, whether it's more as a safety look or more in a linebacker role. Finally, in the seventh round, the Eagles drafted Patrick Johnson, an edge rusher out of Tulane. This is an edge rusher that I believe the Eagles listed as as transitioning to a linebacker if I'm not mistaken. So again, as I said in the last segment, not so sure about these transitions, but Patrick Johnson in his own right was not a player I was very aware of. He's 6'3", 255. Over the course of his career at Tulane, he recorded 24 and a half sacks, 136 total tackles, 11 pass defended, and six forced fumbles. This is another player who was exciting to watch. And I think the Eagles did a great job of hitting on players who seem to be dynamic and are making plays, creating stats, creating disruption on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Patrick Johnson is another one of those. I'm really curious about this potential for him to transition uh, rather than being an edge rusher to transition to a linebacker. But I guess we'll see what happens with that as time moves forward. But for the time being, I think for a seventh rounder, I'm interested to see, first of all, if Patrick Johnson can just make the team, but also sort of what role he'll have, because obviously he was productive at the college level at Tulane. So overall, as I said, stepping back and and taking sort of a, a big picture view of this draft, I'd say I'm satisfied. I do think there were some good picks. Obviously, the Devontae Smith pick was sort of the highlight, but I do think in watching some of these other players that I was not as familiar with, I can see what the Eagles were seeing in them. A lot of them had production, a lot of players coming out of big programs, SEC and otherwise, but the Eagles are in a position where they had a lot of needs, as I also said it in the intro, and they addressed some of them, but certainly not all of them, and definitely not in the ways that I thought. There's still, I would say, a glaring need at the cornerback position opposite Darius Slay that maybe they'll address in free agency, and maybe Zach McPherson comes in here as a fourth rounder and really can play. I think no matter what, he's probably going to have to because of the lack of depth at the position, and hopefully he's ready for it. I think he is a developmental player, but I think he does have some skills. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, Landon Dickerson, Teron Jackson, all these other players I think have tremendous potential. Uh, Gainwell is probably the one after Smith that I'm most excited for, but in learning about some of these other players, as I mentioned, I can see what the Eagles were valuing in these players and some of the reasons that they uh, appreciated their skill sets and wanted to select them where they did. Truthfully, we're going to have to wait and see. That's the deal with the draft. It happens in April and hopefully by next year this time we have a clearer picture on some of these players 
and can really assess whether or not they were good picks or not. But Howie Roseman was absolutely in hot water before this draft. And I think he availed himself somewhat. I think it could have been better, but it definitely could have been worse. I think the Eagles came away with a number of players, nine altogether through the draft and several more being signed uh, as undrafted free agency has now begun, but definitely availed himself somewhat, but it, it doesn't wipe out everything that's happened in the past. And the Eagles still had needs that they did not address. So one draft can't address every need, certainly. But as an Eagles fan, I'll, I'll say again, I'm satisfied, not thrilled with the outcomes of this draft, but very hopeful about a majority of the players that were chosen. So thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back hopefully next week with another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler breaking down the Eagles 2021 draft.